the campus of Gonzaga University in Spokane, Washington. You're listening to the G Suite Podcast, where we discuss all things Zag business. Episode 2. Brian Ike is our guest today. He's an auditor at the Big Four accounting firm KPMG in Seattle. A graduate of Gonzaga's Hogan Entrepreneurial Leadership Program, Mr. Ike discusses trends in technology and the workforce from his purview as a partner with the firm. So welcome to the podcast and uh, give me, you're one of my favorite Zag alums here. So give me, give me a little bit about your journey to Gonzaga and beyond. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> so my journey to Gonzaga actually started way before I even knew what Gonzaga was. I grew up in Nebraska. I grew up in a large family. I was the youngest of that family. Uh, both my parents grew up on farms, uh, although my dad worked in corporate America and my mom was in the medical field. So I did not grow up on a farm, but a lot of those values and upbringing characteristics were instilled in me. And then um, I went to a Catholic grade school, which led me into a Jesuit high school, which, as you could imagine, when, when it comes time for the high school career counselors to say, what does college look like? Uh, they often present many other Jesuit institutions. So there you go. Gonzaga was high on the list because I said I wanted to go to the West Coast and I did not want to go to California. So um, I think, you know, Jesuit schools, there's not too many that meet that criteria. No, sir. And uh, it was Gonzaga. So I, my mother had a rule that I must visit all schools that I would ever want to go to. So we made a trip out to Spokane, my mom and I, and uh, ended up at Gonzaga. And I couldn't be more thankful. Spokane was truly a, a comfort place growing up in the Midwest. I think there's a lot of similarities to Spokane, although there's a lot of differences, um, including you know the surrounding areas, nature-wise, outdoors-wise. So it was a great place for me to end up at Gonzaga. That's awesome. And then you you did. How'd you find accounting as a major? That's the next. That's a good question. So accounting is, uh, I think a accounting found me. I didn't find accounting. And so I joined uh, one of the real things that sealed the deal for me to go to Gonzaga was the Hogan program. So I was admitted to the Hogan program. At the time, it was you are admitted before you join Gonzaga. So it was part of your admissions process. And so I was in the Hogan program all four years that really spoke to me, um, the entrepreneurial spirit, but having a, you know, all majors were able to be in the program. I really enjoyed that. So joined the Hogan program, started out in business school. Being the youngest in my family, I learned that although math and science were skill sets, the engineering school didn't appear to be where the Ike family was successful. So the business school is where I found myself. And I started out the gates. Uh, My older siblings, unfortunately, started engineering and switched over. So I learned from their lessons. And then You know, people always use that phrase, accounting is the language of business. It's the underpinning of business. I say accounting found me because I was sitting in accounting 260. I remember it vividly. And many people in the class were asking me, how do you do this? How do you know how to do this? What, you know, you you seem to just be able to speak this like it's a second language. 
And when I was talking to my advisor, it's like, well, if that's the case, and I was fortunate to have good grades, this should be your major. And I said, no doubt about it. Here we go. So that's what signed me up for accounting. Who'd, who'd you have for principals? Do you remember? The first class was, well, um, wait, now I'm going to get them mixed up. So principals, one is financial and two is managerial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been the artist formerly, or currently known as Professor Kern, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. Per okay. At my time, it was Dr. Melindy, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, Sarah Kern. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Our current associate dean. And by way of reference, um, Hogan is the Hogan Entrepreneurship Leadership, Entrepreneur Leadership Program, I think is the official title. Um, I'm going to guess Dr. Paul Bowler ran it back then when you came through. When um, I came through, I had a, somehow as part of my tour, my mother and I had a meeting with Dr. Bowler. And that wow. was instrumental to getting me and you know, as you know, parents are important in all of this. Right. Uh, that that was very instrumental in Gonzaga being a, a shining star in my college search. That's awesome. We closed the deal. That's good to hear. Yeah, and, and Dr. Bowler just retired, I think, last year, last spring, but he's he's still awesome and still doing great. And I would say Hogan, uh, on some level, is kind of an honors program within the business school. Um, you get to take an insane amount of credits, right, up to 2021. 20, um, and, and do a lot of cool stuff. And I, I think, Brian, that someone like you who couples the skill sets of accounting with that entrepreneurial spirit, I think really the sky's the limit for the most part. So um, you want to know a fun story about taking extra credits? Yeah, let's hear it. Um, so I mentioned I went to a Jesuit high school. It was a college prep school, as I think all yeah. Jesuit high schools are. Is it and is it Saint St. Pius the tenth? No, what, what's that, it called? Oh. That was my grade school. Okay. My <laughs> high school was Creighton Prep. Oh, okay. All right. Perfect. Yeah. So the junior Jays, kind of like y'all have the bull pups. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Yep. So uh I came to Gonzaga and I think uh like most freshmen was was enrolled in a, you know, what appeared to be a full class load, something around 15 credits, you know, 16 credits. And I found myself with a lot of free time. And he, uh, I got to know my RA in my dorm, uh, Catherine Monica, maybe because I was partaking in too many extracurricular activities. And so uh, the solution to that was, why don't you take a lot more classes? You're in the Hogan program. You seem to have a lot of free time. So second semester freshman year and on out, I think I was in the 21 credit camp okay. each semester. But... Yeah. By way of a little advice, it taught me so many things about time management, you know, that I still use today. I, I, I thought that was normal. And so, you know, I didn't stop doing things because I was tired. I stopped doing things when I was done and I just right. managed it all. I still like to hang out with friends, was still in the snowboard ski club, all those yeah. things. And uh, an added benefit of all this, this 150 credit hour thing. I looked, I was second semester, senior year. I already had that done. It was yeah. no problem. Right, right. Wow. Well, crazy. And actually, I'm glad you mentioned the 150. I want to I want to pick your brain on that. But just for, for way of reference for folks listening, right? Today, you're a partner in the audit practice at, at KPMG in Seattle. Um, how many years have you been at, at KPMG? 
I will be, I am in my 15th year at KPMG. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Good, good. And I, and, and I, one thing I appreciate about you, Ike, is that you're always dressed very well uh, when you're, when you're on <laughs> campus, wearing the, wearing the full bespoke suit, uh, only, only the best. So very cool. Well, you know that I'm involved in the Washington Society of CPAs. I, uh, I'm actually the current chair. God help us um, all that. We had our big annual meeting and no one objected. So I guess I got the nod and I'm official now. But um, part of that role is I get to go back to twice a year. I get to go back to the what they call AICPA Council. And um, that's actually the, the governing body of the AICPA. We vote on board members, although it's largely just symbolic decisions are already made in, in Durham and, and DC at that point. But uh, I will say, and I know you're aware of this because you you uh, attended some events at the Washington Society uh, on this issue, um, but there has been a push, I would call it a grassroots push by practitioners, members, uh, to examine barriers to entry to the profession, uh, among them the 150-hour rule. Uh, it has been at times, um, I, I would describe it early on at the AICPA, the leadership uh, that discussion was dead on arrival. Like they wouldn't even entertain what we're calling an alternative pathway to the 150 where you have 120 and a degree and maybe do two years of experience before you're fully licensed as a CPA. To the, the credit of the practitioners, they kept pushing and pushing. There was, as you know, Minnesota released a bill and now South Carolina has a bill for an alternative pathway in their states. Um, and, and the AICPA, I think, has finally been brought to the table on this. Um, and so we're having a little more of a, of, a, of a discussion, but that kind of seems to be what everyone's talking about at the state level. Um, what, what are your, what are your, what's your perspective on, on 150 and, and where we're at in the profession? I appreciate and, and the for background. The record, you don't, you do not speak on behalf of KPMG or KPMG <laughs> yeah, International. This is a personal opinions. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and, you know, to your point of we, we all have different hats we wear. One of the hats I Get to, get to help Gonzaga, which is a passion of mine and, and, you know, work with you and others on the accounting advisory board. So we talk about things like that. And I agree. My, my own view is I am fully supportive of alternate pathways. I, I, I truly believe, you know, one, one of the things uh, of speaking of different hats, a role I have at KPMG is I'm the HR partner for the audit practice. So that means I oversee our, you know, over 150 people that call themselves auditors at KPMG in Seattle. And so I, I see the value in all the different perspectives that people can bring. And my, my true view is when you have a simply credit-based barrier for entry to a profession, it, it factually might exclude different types of people. So I think having alternate ways that you can get to the same end result is a fantastic opportunity to diversify the profession, bring in different perspectives, and I think all for the better. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. Would you say that? Well, when you talk to other professionals, uh, that's 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 a in my in my experience, it seems to be that makes sense. That's a, I mean, people say I have no I have no issue with that. Um, particularly when you have like outside of accounting, people are like, why would you why do you have this fifth year? It could be in any credits. You can take. You can take basket weaving, or I guess in Alaska they take dog, dog mushing. You know, uh, it's a life uh, skill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, have you heard anybody on the practice side 
it, it, against a, against an alternative pathway or anything like that? No, I, I think part of it too is for me, um, there's still a decent amount of people in the profession who didn't have 150 credit limit entry. So I, I think you, you still have that influence and it, shall we say, is more of the, you know, seasoned professionals in the profession given right, the timelines right. but um you have that influence and then I, I think a lot of us are educated at least especially in my firm of what's the background what's the why to the 150 and once you start understanding that and say i, I think there's other ways to meet the same why yeah. and um so i i have i have not personally come across someone and i do ask this question like you said i've been involved in the washington society a couple meetings and things recently, I haven't come across anyone who's uh, strongly asserting objection to a change. Right. Yeah, same here. And I, I'm just baffled that, and I don't want to paint with broad strokes here, but the AICP official stance along with NASBA is very hard line on this 150. And I, I ask the why, like, well, what, what's, because what, what? it doesn't make sense. Um, and particularly when, if you look at some of other, other professions, right, it's the ACPA will say, or a learned profession, right? So you have to have extra, extra education. And to me, that would hold water if you required a master's of accountancy or a master's of tax, but we don't, it can be credits in anything. Um, but they say, well, we're like lawyers or doctors and, and well, lawyers have to go to law school. Mm -hmm. And moreover, uh, as an attorney myself, I'm aware of, I think probably all jurisdictions, I know Washington certainly has it, is there is an apprenticeship program where I had, a, I had a buddy I might know him uh Nick Ponarolo for some reason I think you might know him he's a I know like him as well. yeah he's yeah. a pretty slight guy yeah he he didn't go to law school he did four years of apprenticeship took the bar exam passed he's been an attorney for a number of years so um yeah it's uh it's baffling to me but it's it's good to hear I mean I I, I defer to folks like you who are actually where the rubber meets the road at the end of the day it's it's well established if I, uh, if I don't have the answer book in front of me and uh, I, I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a good opinion. So um, but, but <laughs> what you got going on is real. So, yeah, well, that's cool. So um, I appreciate that. Um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, what you're seeing with, and I, again, I don't like to paint with broad strokes, but we talk often about generational differences in the, in the second, every time I think of, okay, here's characteristics of a generation, then someone proves me wrong. Um, but how is it, how is your practice and your, how has the profession changed since you started? What, what are some of the big, the big differences? So I, I, I'd say one of the things I personally notice, and again, this goes back to, you know, to your point, using the term generation, there are several generations or, you know, which, which generation you align with uh, at a firm, considering we have a retirement age of around 60 and you start usually coming off campus, you know, in your early mid twenties, uh, there's several decades and several different generations at play. So I, I, I feel like I'm in somewhat of the middle of that, which is a great place to be because I've seen influence from the the older generations, but then I equally see influence from the younger generations. So um, what one of the primary items, and this goes to some of my people role in, in leading teams and in, in wanting people to have successful careers, whatever that means for themselves, 
the uh, I'll summarize it by saying the concept of being in a club is not cool anymore. And where I go with that is when I started, the concept of being in the club, i.e. a partnership, was cool. You, you just felt it. You, you'd, you'd be in the audit room, you'd be in the office, you'd be at a practice meeting, and it, it was certainly a, a, a cool thing, to use that phrase. So uh, I, I don't sense that as much, but then I've thought about it, and I think it expands clearly behind, beyond a firm. Um, you know, different organizations, different clubs, different societies, go back to the WSCPA, things like that. I, I think there's more independence and want to be individualized from, from younger generations. But my favorite part of that is I respect that. And I, I've learned a ton from that. I, I think it goes to one of my core values of, you know, doing your own thing. You be you is what we like to say in our family. And, you know, you don't need to be in that club. Or even if you choose to be in a club, I joined our partnership at KPMG. You can still bring all those entrepreneurial skill sets that I learned at Gonzaga and had coming into Gonzaga and do my own thing. And so I, I think, you know, taking the older generation, it's cool to be in the club with the independence of the younger generation that I'm seeing. I think there's a lot to be said. Another example of that is I, I, I think we're all familiar with people are not staying in corporate America, at least maybe everywhere, people are not staying in roles as long as they traditionally had. And, and I think that's part of it. It's, it's saying, I have the skill set, I have the ability, I am my own self, I can do the next thing that I want to in my career journey. And the way I like to approach that is not be combative or not say that's crazy, but be collaborative and say, how do we work with that? How do we have that as part of our culture and make everyone a better person and everywhere a better place yeah that's that's cool and that's for sure and and the, the way you phrase it i think is is more appropriate right i i hear some of the oh they're not looking for the five-year or ten-year plan it's you know i'm gonna have a whole lot of challenges in life that i'm gonna pursue and i who knows where it's gonna leave i'm just thinking about next fall right it's yeah so yeah that's crazy are you guys um how, how is, how, not, not your firm specifically, but how, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear that demand now, I think it's corrected itself a little bit, this, maybe this last couple, last six, six to 12 months, but I mean, it seems that there's a, a, a huge increase in demand for accountants um, and less what we call pipeline, right? Less, less students coming out. What are, what are you seeing happening in the marketplace? What adjustments are people making? And there's, there's work to be done, right? Uh, I mean, frankly, I think the, the current thing is technology. You know, we, it, it's fascinating for me to even think that the answer to that question was without a doubt offshoring, you know, it, but even now it's, we, we, we often have, decision trees where we think of, it used to be, can somebody, you know, an offshore or a, a nearshore resource perform this? A and now it starts with, can I do this with technology? And so I, I think the innovation that's spurring as a result of the lack of resources, which by the way, I agree with your comments. Uh, yeah, it is challenging. We're fortunate. I think 
being a big four firm to still have a solid pipeline. Uh, so we may not see it as, as prevalent as others in the industry, but that said, we certainly see the same concepts. Um, but all the meanwhile, I, I think that that's really been something that's come out of this. But then what it, what it has done is I think collectively everyone's doubling down on how do we address the underlying pipeline issues? And I think that ties right back to our 150 hour discussion. Right. Um, right. It's, it, you know, it's circular and you, you very quickly get back to that and um, other, other things, you know, we were very supportive of high school programs uh, that, that provide visibility to the profession. I think that's one of the challenges we have in accounting is, you know, do you see accountants in Hollywood on movies, things like that, like you may doctors, like you may lawyers, like you may so many other things. Yeah, you can give me an example or two, but they're not as prevalent, you know. Right. Um, right. So I, I think getting down into high schools, even you know, middle schools, grade schools, and and providing visibility to the profession, I think it is is on all of us to do, yeah. and I, I think it will continue to help. But it's going to take everyone working together to, to keep it going. And innovation isn't so bad either as a result. Right, right. That's such, that's such a good point. I mean, and I, again, you phrased it nicer, but I, I would say like a, an image problem, right? Like people that aren't familiar with what we do and we do a lot of cool stuff. I always tell people one of the best things about being an accountant is that I can pretty much get on any nonprofit board I want to get on because every one <laughs> yeah. of them needs someone with financial acumen, right? It's a yep. skill set that's needed in all levels of business, government, nonprofits, and it's it's something that not a lot of people have, right? So it's it's yeah, but it's we do cool stuff, right? We're the trusted advisor. We're not, you know, wearing green green visors and yeah. uh, bow ties sometimes, right? But uh, um, so I do think it's a, Hey, this is the cool stuff we do. Right. And how many accountants, I mean, I'd be curious to hear what, what you see in this area, but you know, if I have a starting class at 10, I would guess, correct me if I'm wrong by year two, eight or there off doing other cool stuff, like opportunities come along, you learn a skill set. you know, maybe by year five, maybe they're just half there. Um, and then some folks, choose the career path of, hey, I want to stay here and be a director or a, a partner, but other people are going to be CFOs and starting their own business. And I mean, I can't, I can't use a better example than uh, Dan and Cecilia Regis, who, who funded the chair that I have um, currently. Uh, he, was, he was the managing partner at PwC in Seattle. I think retirement back then, was it 55? Did they have younger retirement back then? I think he came yeah, close to where it's different and it, it changes over time as. Yeah. As. Yeah. I mean, I think he came up on mandatory retirement and at 55 I mean, you got a whole nother lifetime ahead of you. And so he, I don't know who he got involved with, but he ends up being a VC guy and doing all sorts of cool stuff. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that people realize that is, is my point at the end of the day, but interesting. I mean, going along with that, I, I would say, unfortunately, but fortunately, so many of the people we talk to on campus at Gonzaga and all schools, or even through the official interview process, 
oh, my mom and dad are accountants. Oh, my uncle's an accountant. You know, usually it comes through a familiar, familiar relationship like that where they see, oh, these are the accountants to your point about image. Right. You know, it, it's not from other sources that you just generally see accountants. Uh, so I, I think having us all do what we can to help that will be instrumental. Yeah. Yeah. Instrumental indeed. Yeah. Crazy. And the nice part is, we're, I want to say we're recession proof, but we're more recession proof than other, other, uh, <laughs> other areas. So for sure. Um, you talked a little bit earlier about, you know, you, you come to Spokane, uh, you know, you, you find a home at Gonzaga and meet, meet your wife there, right? Did you guys meet there or did you meet at, at KPMG? So my wife and I met at Gonzaga, but interestingly enough, we met in Spokane at a concert and then we figured out we both go to Gonzaga and oh, by the oh, way, awesome. we're both in the same class. So yes, we, we, we like to say we met at a concert, but we did meet at Gonzaga. And um, I still have the ticket from the show that we met at. It's wow. framed in our house. And the uh, rest is history. Yeah, we're three kids later. And uh, our oldest just turned seven yesterday on Father's Day. So that was a special wow. day. Yeah. Uh, he was born the day before Father's Day. And uh, well, arguably overnight. And then it was my first Father's Day with a 12-hour-old baby. Now he's wow. seven. Wow, crazy and a belated Happy Father's Day. Um, Thank you. Wow, what concert was it? The name of the band that my wife and I met at is <laughs> The String Cheese Incident. I've heard of them. I've heard of them. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't tell you one song they played, but I've heard of them. That's a good response. That's the common response. You know, it's okay to be uncommon. I, I've I've accepted that at my age. So do you, do you guys are they still touring? Do you guys do like an annual uh, string cheese incident uh, concert or anything like that? Yeah, we we have uh, I would say definitely on average we have beat our annual string cheese concert, but wow. um, haven't seen string cheese in the last couple of years. And uh, this summer they're actually checking us out here in the Northwest, which is rare. They're from Colorado. So uh, they're, they're not too far away, but there's that thing you, you have up there in Sandpoint, right? The festival. Yeah, yeah, the festival is awesome. They're, they're going to be there. So we're, we're, we're likely going to check that out. And then they're also playing a little bit over here on uh, the west side of the state of Washington. So you never know. Maybe we'll get more than one. Wow. You're, you're like husband of the year. I mean, I, I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. <laughs> realize all my shortcomings and my big thing is like i do the dishes on a friday or something like that i think i'm a hero you know so wow that's pretty cool um you talked kind of back to the the gonzaga front um and you you mentioned it was an impactful experience it was it was positive and 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 you grew what we call formation typically over your four years what do you think the the biggest advantage or the biggest thing you took from from being a zag i think the biggest thing i took from being a zag is the camaraderie and the community that comes along with being the zag i know that's like in public accounting when you say oh it's the people like at gonzaga it's the community but yeah. I, i'd like to expand on it a little bit uh this ties back to the hogan program uh really specifically and some of the leaders like you said dr bowler but tom tilford 
another yeah. big one, Norm Letha. Yeah. yeah that, yeah, when I was there. Guys. It it's not just the community within the Logan neighborhood and on campus. It's the community now, so proud to say, across the world. There are connected people, you have that common zag connection, and it, it's become a education that expands all of that. And so when I was at Gonzaga through the Hogan program, we, we had assignments where you were required to do networking events, whether that's go to a local, you know, VC founders lunch. I had no clue what any of that meant, but I showed up and I still remember those type things to this day. Or go interview this entrepreneur or that, you know, nonprofit leader. And, and I think the community and those willing to give back to the students and me as a student, and now me hopefully, you know, considered being able to give back to the university through those efforts, uh, that, that really made it different than just going to class for me. I, um, I still look back and say, some of the people I got to meet or be around or hear speak, I was so fortunate and I would have never been able to seek that out on my own. But having that ability and some of those lessons I've learned and, and see now were instrumental to where I've, where I've become, you know, sitting here today. Yeah. And it's not, I don't think it's not just like you, they probably know you by name, right? Like it's, it's a small enough community where it's, it's a real, it's not like, Hey, quick handshake, great, great talk. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you get well, real I think it's such out. a perfect size school and it's been held at a great size that to your point, it's not just, Oh, you go to Gonzaga, you study accounting. Great. It's what dorm did you live in freshman year? And Oh yeah, yeah. I knew that one. You know, it, it's things like that. And right. when you take it down to that level, it is totally personal, not, not superficial. Right. Right. No, that's a great, that's a great point. I'm a big what fan the, of Jesuits to, to be honest. Uh, I clearly went to a Jesuit high school, but I just think the way that they educate, you know, the, the educating the total person, things like that. I, I think that that is also big, big reason why I'm such a Zag fan and, and like to get back to the school. Yeah. And it's, it's not just, uh, it's how to live, not just how to make a living right at the end of the day. So totally. Um, kind of related to, community i think as well as pipeline um you know we have a in our profession what which someone described to me once is the problem of our profession is it's pale male and stale right or, or at least the, the leadership is and i saw there was uh uh but but it made me think right we have a i think there's a natural a human tendency to gravitate towards familiarity right so I, I look at you and, and i said you're one of my favorites i too went to catholic grade school wore uniforms you just have to wear uniforms back then grade school uniforms yes yeah. high school dress code so not uniform yeah. but dress code same here same here so i went to it went to jesuit high school and then ultimately gonzaga um and i i know this is probably a multifaceted problem or how to address the problem is multifaceted right but um the reason I, I think of this is one of the things is, you know, we talk about belongingness or, or making people feel welcome, right? And, and taking the extra step to say, hey, you're, you belong here. You're part of the community. You, you, you have a seat at the table. 
and, and your voice needs to be here and we want to hear it. Um, share with, uh, and I know you probably thought about this a lot given your role, what, 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 do we, what do we need to do? What are the steps? What are some concrete things as far as, you know, expanding uh, this awesome profession to folks that historically have not really been a part of it? I, I think the first thing, and we go back to what we were talking about already today, how do you work on that image situation? Oh, yeah. Oh, because yeah. W- without, you know, it, it, I fully agree with what you say on familiarity. You know, it, it's easy to be comfortable when you see people like you doing something and being successful. It, it's, it's inherently uncomfortable when you are different somehow. Um, first generation college student. I didn't go to a Catholic high school, so on and so forth, you know, beyond the normal um, diversity aspects. So I I think, you know, what can we do there also goes along with what can we do on our image. And so back to some of the things we talked about, high schools, going and, you know, educating high school students on our profession, all the different things you can do in our profession. Don't just go to the high school you went to, your Catholic school, mine, Creighton Prep in Omaha, Nebraska, go to a school in your local community that you maybe don't even know the high school exists. And it has people from all different walks of life. Do that education at a school like that. And I think you'll, you'll help with our image, but also get lots of different backgrounds interested in the profession and increase that pipeline. So I, I think that's truly to your point of what's a concrete step you can do. I, I think that's a big one. Um, and, and then beyond that, I, I do think it goes back to personal connections, mentorship, you know, be, being a steward, giving back uh, in your local communities and showing that and explaining and frankly, just taking the time, which is, you know, hard, uh, believe you me, but taking the time to do those things and do them genuinely and uh, take a personal interest in careers and, and showing people you want them to be successful. I think it goes a long way to, to meet that goal. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I do, I do think we're, we're getting better at a lot of that. Uh, it's taking time, probably too much time, but as a profession, I do think we're, we're at least making some steps in the right direction. I saw an AICPA stat uh, and I was kind of surprised at the front end of it. 60% of CPAs or around 60% are women, um, but only 28, they, don't, they only hold 28% of leadership roles, um, which I, I mean, the 28%, I was like, well, I, I, that's not surprised at that. But uh, when we look at a lot of our classes at Gonzaga, it's pretty close to 50-50 or leans a little male heavy. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think a lot of, you know, women, in our society bear the the majority of the burden of child rearing and you know it's 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 taking time i think to adjust to a lot of uh uh needs and uh you know i i think you go back to when you started in the profession that if if, if there was a woman who had a a kid and wanted some flex time or it probably be less wasn't would not be received as well as maybe it is today and not saying we're at where we need to be at but yeah, it's interesting. I think it's a good conversation to, to continue to have, and as long as there's action along with it, obviously. Um, 
what's your what's your advice to to Zags coming out as they're about to embark on on a, a journey that you're you're midway through? What's your what's your what's your golden nuggets of wisdom? You know, one one of the things I keep finding myself commenting on and noticing is I, I think it's so easy to be comfortable behind a screen. I get it, look at us here virtually doing this discussion, but at the same time, stepping outside that comfort zone and shaking hands, saying hi, giving hugs, whatever you're comfortable with goes a long, long way. And so, you know, think about the comments I made about what made Gonzaga so special. It was meeting people. It was making connections. Those skills were, you know, assigned to me in programs that I was in. Now those are the things I enjoy more than anything else. Going out, doing those things. So it, it's removing the comfort zone of a screen, whether that's your phone, tablet, computer, you name it, and having the face-to-face -face interactions, enjoying breakfast, lunch, having face-to-face -face meetings when you might not have to. I think that goes a long, long way. So that'd be the one thing. Uh, I wouldn't ask, you know, graduating students or even incoming students to consider. And, you know, it's not easy, but I think those who, those who are strong will succeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, there's so, there are elements missing, right? When you don't, when you're not in person, right? Very, very, I would say, uh, strong learning elements, um, you know, say, well, talking at the water cooler or being in the office, and, and particularly when you're younger, when you're starting your career out, I think those are more important. What, what are you guys doing at, as far as like a remote work schedule? Are you guys like three days in the week, two days in the in the week, or kind of mixing it up? Or So it's evolving. I, I think it, it's always ever changing. Um, so at, at our firm at KPMG, our, our official program is Flex with Purpose. And the name actually does it justice. It's uh, we're in a client service business. So what, what is, what is the best way to meet the purpose of what needs to be done? And that's how we align. We have no, you know, we, we, we don't currently have our people on any required items, uh, in terms of in-person in the audit practice. And, uh, because that meets our purpose. What, what I have found though, personally is there, there is a growing desire to be in person. The, those learnings that are happening, the fun that's happening, the, the enjoyment, the personal connections, the friendships that are happening, people are seeing that and it snowballs. Once you see it, people catch on and then I want to be in person. I want to be in person. So it, it's naturally uh, leaning a lot towards in person. And uh, I, I'm very excited to see that because I could never be here without sitting in the audit room learning from other people. Right. So I think seeing that come right back is very exciting to me. And I am happy to be a part of it and foster that yeah and to add to that there's also i like the separation of home from work the physical separation right um it's just it, it, i'm in a different mode different focus um that's always been helpful for me I, I could never imagine and i never did you know the the walk down the hall to the office and getting on on zoom all day um but uh yeah craziness well, good, man. Well, here's probably my most important question uh, of, of the hour here. Uh, and, and you got to be careful on how you answer this. But um, we got we got 
NIL, we got transfer portal, uh, a lot of movement in the, in the, in the college athletics scene. Um, and, and, uh, maybe some question marks. Some people are really excited about the Zags. Some people say, you know, we lost a lot of good players. Uh, how are you feeling about the, the, the upcoming season here? Zags I was, uh, I was <laughs> just with the group, uh, over the last week, uh, my wife's family talking about the Zags and I'm still questioning would be my, my response about the upcoming season. Do I think we'll be strong? Yes. Um, do I think we'll win it all? I don't think so this year, but those yeah. are my favorite years because right. I always tell people, I, I don't like, I certainly, I have not preferred, although it's awesome preseason number one or things like that. I, I like, I think it's in all of our spirit as Zags coming from behind a little bit. We're all really solid and really good and getting those, you know, even top 10 rankings and coming in the year or even just top 25 and then just, you know, slow and steady, getting wins, getting wins, beating teams, and then we show up. So I, I like that start. Um, but yeah, I, I think with your comments about with all the changes, like you said, the NIL and things, it, it's hard to know when to go all in and start researching the team and understanding and saying like, all right, right. here's the team. Yeah, we got the schedule. Now let's really place our bets and set our predictions. But I, I yeah. we're all learning in this together as it's, sports fans. Yeah, it's chaos. I mean, Huggins steps down and some kind of, I saw some headline where now his players have 30 days to get back into the portal. Right. So yep. new options out there. So, wow, it's craziness. And I, you know, I, I do a couple NIL talks for the athletics we'll do. Uh, um, and it's, it's lower level. I mean, the, the Drew Timmies of the world, they have, they, they, I would imagine they pay for professional tax advice on a lot of things, but, uh, um, and I, according to the paper, a spokesman review, he's clearing about a little under a million a year. Uh, just no small chunk of change for a 22, 23 year old. Um, who knows? I mean, if he, it depends on if he gets into the league, but if he goes to Europe, he might be taking a pay cut next year. Um, but I still think he'll be doing fine. But um, uh, I, you know, I, I get over there and I'm talking to, you know, volleyball and crew and stuff on, on smaller stuff. They're getting, it's so crazy. They're getting, Hey, we'll give you all this swag. It might be worth like 500 and maybe a thousand bucks if you tweet this many times during the year uh on these intervals um and sometimes money five grand to do this little commercial for that um so i just i mean it's it's to navigate this whole thing you know i think i just think of myself when i'm 18 19 20 you know if someone was throwing five grand at me and what i what would i do i mean it's to, to do some kind of small service so uh, it's going to be. I, I like that you brought it back to the tax implications. That, that's, that's good for us is in the accounting world. You, that's right, for sure. And that's, all, tax that's always on the mind, huh? It's 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 like it, um it's a sickness. It's like my I tell my students early on. I, I'm like, hey, as the semester progresses, you're going to start uh, thinking like a tax person, and on some level, it's kind of sick and twisted. And I look at an engineer tell me once he's like, every time I look at a corner or something like that, he's thinking about. I don't know whatever engineers do measuring stuff. And I'm literally like, oh, that's going to be taxable. So it's not as good as you think. It's kind of like a big downer, right? You know, it's like, oh, I just got a thousand bucks. Yeah, it's going to be taxable. You're really going to net, you know, 812 or something like that at the end of the day. So don't get too excited. <laughs> but uh, it's the burden I bear, Ike, the burden I bear. man. so what can you do? But 
anything else we should any, what, what should i be asking you that i haven't asked you or, or uh uh yeah what, what did i miss here anything important i i don't think i don't think you missed anything how, how could you okay. miss anything i i i'm very <laughs> thankful to be here uh i you know giving back is part of who i am uh you know going back to that upbringing and just one of my core values personally and um i i love to connect with zags and be a resource and i always put the offer out there if there's anything i can do to help people or or anything like that feel free to find find me reach out to me and i'm here to help hey i i appreciate that you've all, you've been excellent on all levels anytime i need anything from you you've always you know been jumped right at it and, and were helpful and, and uh um for folks listening, I mean, Brian's on our accounting advisory board uh, and has been a leader on it for some time. I don't, I think we told you a couple, I think you're like vice chair now. Congratulations, by the way. Or you're, <laughs> maybe, maybe you're secretary. You're in line to be chair. It's super much stuck in matter. It's, yes. <laughs> it's, on, it's on the websites. And if it's on the internet, it must be official. So um, are you going to join us? We got Cynthia Cooper coming in the fall. Are you going to join us for that? I saw that. You all just sent that out. Um, maybe back to your prior comment about husband of the year my wife's birthday is the next day so that oh, that was the first yeah. thing that popped up but <laughs> i also like to get creative and um we like spokane so maybe there's a multi-purpose trip that could happen there you go maybe you can leverage that yeah so and for reference for folks cynthia cooper is the whistleblower in the worldcom scandal which is lesser known but it was about the time of enron and i think it was bigger money at the end it of was yeah um, yeah and, and was, correct me if I'm wrong, was Anderson the external auditor on that as well? I'm not quite sure. I, for some reason, I thought it was that as well. I but, couldn't uh, correct you. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, she, she's got an incredible story. She ended up being time person of the year in 2002, one of, one of three women whistleblowers. Uh, and I mean, I was talking to her on the phone and, and just an incredible individual. I've heard her speak before too going into the office like at 2 a.m. to do work because she was, you know, with her team because they didn't want the higher ups to see it. So, because um, they thought they were onto something that it went to the top. So, got to have people like that out there. But anyway, sir, I appreciate you. Uh, hope to see you soon, uh, maybe this summer, or, you know, or if, if I'm pretty sure we'll connect some point this summer. So, uh, have a good one. Brian Ike, KPMG. Thank you so much. <laughs>